This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Kellogg's Pep. P-E-P-Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, presents... The Adventures of Superman. Today, Clark Kent reveals a daring and amazing plan, which he hopes will result in trapping Big George Latimer, the man of hate. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. Say, uh, I hope you're not going to let anybody outsmart you when it comes to the number of different prices you collect from packages of Kellogg's Pep. No, sir, because you can collect all three kinds of Pep prices as easy as anything. And there are 49 different prizes in all. For instance, uh, maybe the prize in your next package of Pep will be one of those keen full-color pictures of birds. There are 24 to collect from, each with a full description on the reverse side. And by swapping duplicates with a gang, you can help complete your collection. Or uh, if your next pet prize happens to be a colored cardboard model of a fighting plane, remember, you can collect from seven planes in Pep's great air fleet. Or you may get one of 18 different bright-colored comic buttons, each picturing a famous comic strip character. All three kinds of pet prizes are top-notch to go with a terrific flavor of Kellogg's Pep. I mean, strictly terrific. Why, that catchy taste, that pet flavor is really out of this world. Every spoonful of those crisp golden flakes of whole wheat tastes downright wonderful. So for prize eating and surprise prizes, ask Mom to get you Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. Now the adventures of Superman. Learning that Clark Kent and Governor Wheeler suspected him of committing murder in his secret campaign to spread racial and religious intolerance, and that they planned to trap him into a confession. George Latimer, the state political boss, attempted to kill the governor and frame a group of war veterans for his crime. But unknown to Latimer, the governor regained consciousness and told Kent and Inspector Henderson what had occurred. Henderson wished to arrest Latimer at once, but Kent stopped him, saying... Now, Inspector, you'll put him on his guard. Then we'll never be able to prove anything against him. Are you out of your mind, Kent? No. You just heard Governor Wheeler say that big George Latimer tried to murder him, didn't you? All right, but it's only the governor's word against the word of two others, Latimer and Briggs. We have no proof. But I know one way to get the goods on big George. Yeah? And what's that? For him to think Governor Wheeler is dead. As we continue now outside Governor Wheeler's sick room in the gubernatorial mansion... 
Inspector Henderson stares blankly at Kent, then demands... Say that again, Kent? I said the only way we can get the goods on Latimer is by making him believe Governor Wheeler is dead. What in thunder are you talking about? Look, Inspector, I'm certain Latimer shot Joe Martin and framed Sam Robbins for the shooting. But I have no proof. And I'm certain he did away with Lippy Williams, the clarion reporter who helped him frame Sam. Yeah, but you have no proof of that either. Right. And now we know Latimer tried to murder Governor Wheeler. But it's only Wheeler's word against Latimer and Latimer's and Briggs. Now, you know a jury won't bring in a conviction on that. Well, I guess they won't. And against Latimer. Particularly in this state. Of course they won't. What we've got to do is to get a confession from Latimer. Oh, sure. Fine. That's all we have to do, huh? I suppose we just bring him pen and paper and say, if you don't mind, Mr. Latimer, just sign here so we can strap you to the electric chair. Oh, no, be serious, Inspector. I think I know how to get a confession from him. Well, I think you're nuts, but go ahead. I'm listening. All right. This is what I have in mind. First, we get the cooperation of Governor... Mr. Latimer, it's my sad duty to inform you that Governor Wheeler is dead. What? Yes, he... He died just a few minutes ago. The, the governor dead? Oh, no, Inspector. I'm sorry, Mr. Latimer. Poor Frank. Caught up in his prime. With a brilliant career ahead of him. Yes, tough, all right, Mr. Latimer. I know how you must feel. Thank you, Kent. Frank God, I can't quite believe it. We were so very close for many years. Well, I must go up to pay my respects. Oh, by the way, Inspector, those yes. GIs... Uh, what are you going to do about them? Lock them up, of course. They'll have to stand trial for murder. I wish that wasn't necessary. What do you mean? Well, those men fought for their country. They may even be suffering from battle fatigue. I'm sure that what they did tonight was unpremeditated. Brought on by... That's no excuse, Mr. Latimer. No, I suppose not. I still can't help wishing it could be avoided. Well, I must go up and pay my last respects to my old friend, Frank Wheeler. Good night, gentlemen. Thank you for your expression of sympathy. Good night. See you again, Mr. Latimer. Yeah, he's sorry. A dirty hypocrite. I hope you told the doctor not to let Latimer get too close to the governor. Don't worry. The doctor understands. Okay. Besides, Wheeler's under an opiate. Oh, good. You couldn't tell from a quick glance that he's alive. What did the doctor say about tomorrow? He said tomorrow afternoon ought to be okay. The later, the better. All right. I'll need some time to make arrangements. Uh, suppose you meet me here at five in the afternoon. I'll be here. But I still don't think you can put it over, Kent. We've got to put it over. Unless we get Latimer by the heels, we'll see more bloodshed and, and riots and lynchings in this state. Meet me here to talk with the governor at five o'clock, Inspector. And keep your fingers crossed. Now, Governor Wheeler, you understand what you're to do, don't you? You you want me to read this stuff you've written into this microphone? That's right. It'll be transcribed on a record. I see, but... My my voice is pretty weak today. That'll be all the better. You'll sound more like a ghost. Ready, Inspector Henderson? Ready. When I tell you again, it'll never work, Kent. Latimer is too smart to fall for hopeless focus like this. That's where you're wrong. Every criminal has fear in his heart, and the cleverer he is, the more fear he has of what he can't see, of the unknown. Never mind the psychology lesson. Getting late, we've got a lot to do before midnight. Let's get started. Right. Ready, Governor Wheeler? Ready. Good. I give you the signal. Start talking. Turn it on, Inspector. Check. Okay, Governor. Give it all you've got. George Latimer. Listen to me, George Latimer. You're surprised to hear my voice, aren't you? You thought you'd never hear me.
Now, who's this? Briggs, I hope you weren't asleep. I was. What? Oh, I'm sorry. Well, that's all right. What's the matter? Why, nothing. I guess... Yes, I know. You're nervous, huh? Well... Sure you are. Nothing to be nervous about. Everything's fine. It's fine. I, I guess... Oh, so, stop but... worrying. Everything's fine, I tell you. Wheeler's dead, so he can't talk. The G.I.s are in pretty bad with the law. Sure, I, I know, but it's just... Well, the papers are so full of the story, and you can't turn on the radio without hearing about it. Naturally. Frank was governor. Be a lot of fuss for a day or two, then it'll die down. Forget it. I tell you, we haven't a thing to worry about. I sure hope so, but every time I feel a little secure, I get to thinking about that reporter, Clark Kent. What about him? He's smart, Mr. Latimer. He figured out everything that happened up to... Well, you know, this evening. So what? You couldn't prove it, could he? Almost did They don't pay off an almost. Now that Frank's gone, Kent will never prove anything. So relax, Briggs. There isn't a thing to worry about. Well, if you're sure... I'm telling you, go to bed. Everything's wonderful. Good night, Briggs. Good night, Mr. Letterman. Good evening, Inspector. Superman. Hey, where did you come from? Clark Kent told you I'd meet you here, didn't he? Yeah, yeah that's right, but <laughs> it's giving me a bit of a turn seeing you drop out of nowhere like that. Sorry if I startled you. Ah, I see you've got the little record player with you. Yes, and the record. Now, uh, how do you propose to work this shindig? You see that tall apartment building facing the park? Yep. Big George Latimer occupies the two upper floors on the park side. A duplex apartment. His bedroom is on the top floor. There's a small terrace on the lower floor with a lot of shrubs and potted trees. You'll be able to watch the fun from there and hear everything. Are you ready? Ready as I'll ever be for a crazy stunt like this. Okay. Up with you. You all set? All set. Up to that terrace. Up and away! Leaping from the metropolis park with Inspector Henderson, Superman soars up to the swank apartment home. Then alights on the dark terrace below Big George Latimer's bedroom. On the small dark terrace beneath Big George Latimer's apartment... Inspector Henderson watches as Superman prepares to slip quietly into Latimer's bedroom, carrying a small record player. Wish me luck, Inspector. You need plenty of it, Superman. I can't see Latimer falling for this. You're going to be surprised, I hope. Up, here goes. Keep your ears open. I will. Up to his window. Up. There's Latimer in his bed, sleeping as if he didn't have a care in the world. Well, maybe this record will put the fear of the Lord into him. Get set on his window so first. There. Now to set the record going. There. George Latimer. Listen to me, George Latimer. You're surprised to hear my voice, aren't you? Who's that? You thought you'd never hear it again, didn't you? Who's that? You thought you got rid of me forever, didn't you, George? Frank! You thought when you killed me that you were safe, that no one would ever discover what you'd Frank. done. Frank Wheeler! You didn't Stop believe dead men could come back to haunt you, did you, George? But how? If you how? believed that, perhaps you wouldn't have killed me. But I... Libby Williams, the clarion reporter. I'm dreaming. I must be dreaming. <laughs> Sitting rigidly upright in his bed, his gray hair tousled and his breath whistling between his lips, big George Latimer stares wide-eyed into the frightening darkness of his bedroom, in which rings the voice of Frank Wheeler, whom he thinks is dead. Fighting his fear, the despotic hate-mongering politician shouts that he is being tricked. Will he maintain his belief, as Inspector Henderson believes, and once again foil Superman and the powers of right and justice? Or will he crack open and confess? 
We'll find out in tomorrow's thrilling episode, so don't miss it. Tune in, same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pep. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pet, the sunshine cereal. Behold my process. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here, uh huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, full of exclusive loot on surprises delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude, Calabunga, to the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Yeehoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, there's a box just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F-E-N-I-X media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. It's Superman. Kellogg's Pep. P-E-P-Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, presents... The Adventures of Superman. Today, Superman proceeds with his weird plot to scare bigoted and vicious political racketeer Big George Latimer into a confession of his guilt. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. Say, you know how it is. The more fun you have, the merrier. So start your day by having fun right at the breakfast table with a bowl of Kellogg's Pep. Is it good? Why, Kellogg's Pep has a regular talent for tickling your taste. It's a regular fun feast. Those delicate whole wheat flakes are so crisp and fresh, so downright catchy tasting that, well, you get a bang out of every single spoonful. Yes, sir. And who wouldn't get a bang out of those slick pep prizes? Three different kinds of prizes. One or the other in every package of pep you open. For instance, uh, you may find one of 24 keen bird pictures in gleaming bright color with a description on the reverse side so that you'll have the look down on these high flyers. Or you may find an exciting colored cardboard model of a fighting plane, easy and fun to assemble, and you can collect all seven model planes in the series. Or uh, your next pet prize may be a bright colored comic button picturing one of 18 famous characters right out of the funnies to pin on your beanie cap or your jacket. So hop to it, gang. Collect all three kinds of these smooth prizes. Ask Mom to get you Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. And now the adventures of Superman. In a spectacular attempt to secure a confession from Big George Latimer, the vicious boss of the state political machine, 
Caught Kent had Governor Wheeler make a phonograph record. Then a Superman, Kent placed a small record player outside Latimer's 20th floor bedroom window at midnight. While Inspector Henderson listened on the dark terrace just below, Superman played the record. Awakened by the voice of the man he thought he had murdered, Latimer told himself first that he was dreaming. Then he was being tricked. And finally, as we continue now, he has lost nearly all reason. Crazed with fear, he seizes a revolver from his bed table and fires blindly at the figure of Superman silhouetted in the window. But of course, Superman is unhurt, and the eerie, flooded voice of Governor Wheeler continues, striking terror into the heart of the vicious political boss. You wanted to discredit the war veterans who wanted jobs. No, no. So you shot Joe Martin and said that Sam Robbins, a Jewish war hero, did it. But I... Isn't I, that so, George? Yes, 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 yes. You're go away, Frank, Williams, the Clarion reporter, plant your gun in Sam Robbins' home. But I didn't mean... And then because Lippy knew too much, you murdered him, but too. I, uh, didn't you, Please, George? Frank, please. Your black heart cried out for blood, so you persuaded me to send Sam Robbins upstairs. That isn't true. Where you had arranged for other warp-minded bigots like no, yourself no. to lynch him. That isn't true. Didn't you, George? Didn't you? Yes. Yes, yes. I told you I did. What more can I say? Now, let me alone now. Go away, please. Frank, go away. Please. I can't stand it. I can't stand it. Well, Inspector Henderson, did you hear everything? Everything, Superman. You sure put the fear of the Lord into this scoundrel. And how. I'm about to switch the light on, Latimer, so get ready for a little surprise. Superman. Inspector Henderson. Right. Now, keep your hands up, Latimer. You're under arrest. Oh. I get it now. You tricked me. Right the first time. And we did it with nothing but a little record player. You can't get away with it. Keep your hands up, I said. There are two witnesses to your confession. Superman and myself. That's enough to send you to the chair, Latimer. Now, climb into your street clothes. We're going bye-bye. This is your Daily Planet newscaster bringing you a special bulletin. Following the amazing confession of Big George Latimer today, which resulted in the prison of Sam Robbins, hero of Iwo Jima, Greg C. Wheeler announced his resignation as governor. The newly organized movement... Hello. Uh, I mean... Hello. Make up your mind. Are you Superman or Clark Kent? What? (laughs) Hiya, Clark. Oh, oh, Batman. You gave me a start. Sorry. Oh, congratulations on measuring Big George Latimer for the electric chair. It's fine work. Thanks very much. Now, that off your mind, perhaps you could help me. Help you? What do you mean, Batman? I'm in trouble, Clark. Serious trouble. You are? What? I don't want to talk about it over the phone. Look, I know it's pretty late, and I feel badly about waking you like this, but, well, I'm really worried. Could you manage to come over to my house right away? Well, sure, no trouble at all, Batman. I'll be there in two seconds. Thanks, I'll be waiting for you. Where's Robin, Bruce? Spending the evening with Jimmy Olsen. Oh, I arranged it that way so I could talk to you alone. What? What's up? You sound mysterious. Clark, I want to warn you. Some of the things I'm going to tell you may sound a little peculiar. Well, I've heard peculiar things before. Go ahead. Well, all this concerns Robin, whose real name, as you know, is Dick Grayson. Mm -hmm. His father and mother were known as the Flying Graysons, the most famous team of high-wire aerialists in the business until they were killed. Robin's parents were killed? Yes, before an audience of almost 15,000 people. How did it happen? Well, I'll tell you the whole story. It won't take long. It was five years ago at a time when the circus had just rolled into town. 
I'd known the Grecians for quite some time, and being something of an amateur aerialist myself, I spent hours at the arena watching them work out. Robin, or Dick, was about eight or nine then. Yes, he's 14 now, that's right. Well, to get to the point, the circus happened on a Saturday night. I was in a box with Dick when his father and mother came on for their high-wire performance. Two brilliant spotlights followed them. As they reached the high platforms with spotlights shimmering on their white satin suits, the applause died out. And the band started playing softly as they started toward one another across the steel wire. Step by step with nothing but empty space beneath them. Not a man, woman, or child in the audience moved. Then, bending on his knees, John Grayson swung his young wife behind and above him, where she landed gracefully on his shoulders. For a split second, he was unbalanced, and then he steadied himself. With his wife standing on his shoulders, he started walking along the wire. And that was when it happened. Suddenly, without warning, the wire snapped and broke in the middle. I heard a scream. I think it was Mrs. Grayson. The two ends of the wire were dangling in midair like long, thin snakes, and the white figures were plummeting down to the ground. Five minutes later, Dick and I elbowed our way into the circus infirmary. His mother had died instantly, but his father was still alive. Grayson looked up at me and motioned me to kneel beside him. He reached out and took my hand. Bruce. Yes, John? Two things, Bruce. Take care of Dick. Of course, John. Of course. And, and something else. Yes, John. This. This. Yes. This was murder. Recalling the horrible experience of being an eyewitness to the tragic deaths of Dick Grayson's father and mother, Batman telling the story to Clark Kent reaches the point where John Grayson, his last breath, whispered that it was murder. It was all he said, Clark. This was murder. A moment or two later, his eyes closed. I felt his hand relax in mine, and it was all over. Was Robin or Dick present during all this? Yes, but don't get me started on that. There's still a lot to tell you. I'm listening. Well, the first thing I investigated was the steel wire, and as I suspected, it had been partly sawed through. That was murder. Cold, calm, deliberate murder. Someone weakened that steel wire in a premeditated attempt to kill those two people and succeeded. I take it you know who it was. Yes, but I couldn't prove it. And I can't to this day. It was a man named Larson, George Larson. Mm -hmm. He was the circus ringmaster. Now, somehow he had found out that Mrs. Grayson was French, that she had relatives living in Paris, a sister and brother who were members of the French underground. I see. This was at the beginning of the war, and Larson threatened to see to it that the Nazi authorities made it unpleasant for her relatives unless he was paid off. Uh Uh-oh. So, for five months, he blackmailed the Graysons until they had no more money. Then, in desperation, they decided to threaten him. They told him they were going to the district attorney and have him arrested for extortion and blackmail. The following night, the wire broke. They were dead. Well, uh, where did you get all this information, the, the business about the blackmail? From a diary I found in John Grayson's dressing room and from conversations that Robin or Dick had overheard. Oh, I see. But that was all I could dig up. No other evidence, no other clues, no possible chance to pin the actual murders on Larson. However, with Robin's help and testimony, Larson was convicted of extortion and got a ten-year sentence. But when they let him out of the courtroom, he turned to Robin, pointed a finger at him, and said, I'll get you for this. Uh Uh-huh. I think I can finish the story, Bruce. Larson served five years of his term, was paroled, and is now threatening Robin. No, not quite. About a week ago, Robin began to receive threatening letters. They were unsigned, but I happened to have some correspondence between George Larson and Robin's father, which wasn't used at the trial, so I compared the handwriting. And? Well, I'm not an expert, but it was pretty evident. 
that Larson had written the threatening letters. Then we began to get anonymous phone calls at all hours of the night. Same voice each time. I was certain it was Larson, but just to make sure, I recorded one of the calls on my dictograph and played it back for a number of circus people who had known Larson for years. They confirmed my opinion. It was Larson's voice. Well, it all looks open and shut to me, Bruce. thing to do is grab Larson, haul him up before the parole board, and slap back into jail. That's just the trouble, Clark. We can't grab Larson. Why not? Well, get a good grip on yourself. Okay, shoot. When all this started, the threatening letters, the anonymous phone calls, the first thing I did was contact Warden Hobbs at state prison to find out when Larson had been released. Uh-huh. Well, do you know what he told me? Oh, what? George Larson had died in jail two weeks ago. What? Great Scott! That's what frightens me, Clark. According to all the evidence, Robin is receiving letters and phone calls from a dead man. What is the answer to this mystery? Frankly, at the moment, we don't know. You can be sure it's going to take all the combined ability of Superman and Batman to solve it. And before they do, there's plenty of spine-tingling excitement in store for all of us. So be sure to keep listening to Superman and Batman, the two stalwart defenders of law and order, join forces to solve the mystery of the dead voice. Tune in tomorrow, same time, same station, for episode two in this new and exciting adventure story. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pep. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. Kellogg's Pep. P-E-P, Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, presents The Adventures of Superman. Today, Batman tells the Man of Steel the incredible fact that the anonymous perpetrator of Robin's threatening letter telephone call, Eric Larson, died two weeks previously. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. Say, uh, which is it? Is it a bird? Is it a plane? Is it a button? Well, you never can tell until you open your package of Kellogg's Pep and see which of those three kinds of prizes you'll get. So every prize is always an exciting surprise. It might be one of Pep's 18 slick comic buttons, picturing one of your favorite comic strip characters to pin on your beanie cap or your jacket. Or uh, it might be a model fighting plane, one of seven thrilling plane models in the series, all made of colored cardboard and easy to assemble. Or your next pet prize might be a beautiful full-color bird picture from a series of 24, each with a description on the reverse side so that you can name and know any of these birds around. And say, speaking of birds, you'll sure be an early bird to the breakfast table when Kellogg's Pep heads the menu, because every spoonful of these crisp whole wheat flakes is brimming with cool come-on. Each spoonful is a treat in itself. Why, every bowl of pep just about doubles the fun of breakfast. Yes, sir, you'll say that catchy pep flavor is strictly terrific. 
So get going, gang. Ask Mom for a Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, and look for your prize inside the package. Now, the adventures of Superman. Summoned by Batman, the one individual who is aware of his double identity, Superman, in his guise of Clark Kent, listened to an amazing story concerning Batman's young companion, Robin. It was the story of how Robin's father and mother had been literally murdered by a man named Eric Larson. And of how Batman, though unable to prove the double murder, had succeeded with Robin's help in sending Larson to jail for extortion. But yesterday, as you remember, Batman told Clark Kent that he had been receiving threatening letters and phone calls from a man he was certain was Eric Larson. Believing Larson had been paroled, Batman contacted the warden at the state prison, only to be told that Larson had died in the prison two weeks previously. As we continue now in the living room of Batman's house, he has just dropped this bombshell into Clark Kent's lap. For a long moment, Kent is silent. Then... When did you receive the first threatening letter, Bruce? Well, let's see. Today is Thursday, just a week ago. Mm-hmm. That would make it a week after Larson presumably died in prison, right? Well, there's no presumably about it, Clark. I made a careful check, talked to the prison doctor, and even know where he was buried. Well, it's obvious, then, that if Larson's dead, he couldn't have written the letters and made the phone call. That's what I thought. So I called in a handwriting expert. I showed him the threatening letters, and I showed him a letter Larson had written to Robin's father five years ago. Uh-huh. He said the handwriting was identical. I even went further than that. You remember that I told you I recorded one of the anonymous telephone calls on my dictograph? Uh-huh. Well, the reproduction wasn't too good, so I bought a record recording machine. Set it up near the telephone, and last night when one of the calls came through, I made a record of it. This morning, I located two of the circus people who had known Larson for years. Played it for them. They both swore it was unmistakably Larson's voice. Do you uh, have the record here? Yes. Would you like to hear it? Yes, don't mind. Okay, I'll set it up. It'll just take a minute. Say, incidentally, how much does Robin know about all this? Oh, practically nothing. He's been asking a lot of questions, but I've been stalling him. No sense getting him all upset. No, that's what I was going to say. As a matter of fact, that's why I sent him over to Jimmy Olsen's tonight. Get him out of the way so you and I could talk freely. Good. Uh, did he go alone? No. Alfred, our butler, went with him. Okay, it's all set. Are you ready? Shoot. Hello? I'm just calling in to warn you that nothing can save that boy. I'll follow him to the ends of the earth. Who is this? You know who it is. What do you want? You know what I want. Revenge. <laughs> That's all. He hung up there. Uh-huh. This was uh, last night? Yes. Do you see now why I'm worried, Cardinal? Yes, of course I do. This sounds serious, Bruce. It is serious. That's why I need your help. Why, if anything happens to Robin... Now, take it easy. Nothing has happened to him yet. Sure, I know that. But what can we do to prevent something from happening to him? Well, let's see. There are two possibilities here. Either Larson prepared those threatening notes and phone calls before he died. Before he died? Well, yes. See, he could have written the notes and recorded his voice on a phonograph record and then slipped all the stuff to an accomplice to be used in the event of his death. Yes, I suppose so. But why would Larson have gone to all that trouble? Well, he wanted revenge, didn't he? Yes, but so he dreamed up this way of, well, sort of haunting you and Robin from his grave, so to speak. Oh, it could be. But you said you saw another possibility. Yes. Well, what's that? The possibility that Larson is alive. That's ridiculous. Why, sir? Well, because, as I told you before, I talked to Warden Hobbs and the prison doctor. They both assure me that he is dead. I see. Look, Bruce, uh, do you mind if we check with him again together? Well, no, of course not. But it's just a waste of time. Well, maybe not. Let's see. It's pretty late. It's not too late to pay a visit. Let's go, Bruce. Now, look, wait. If you're operating on a hunch that there might have been some conniving at state prison, get that out of your mind. 
I've known Warden Hobbs for years, and I'll swear to his honesty. I know him, too, and I also think he's honest. Well, then why bother with a long trip up there? Well, for one thing, because I can't think of a better place from which to start getting at the bottom of this mess. You see, before we can make any moves at all, we must first determine definitely whether Larson is dead or alive. Personally, I'm still not sure either way. All right. I still say it's a waste of time, but I'm willing to go through the motions to satisfy him. Good. We'll take my Batmobile. We'll get us up to state prison in two hours. <laughs> the Supermobile will get us up there in two seconds. The what? Just wait till I trip down to my Superman costume and I'll show you. Oh, of course. How stupid of me. There we are. All set. Up with this window. And up with you. Are you ready? Let her rip. Okay, here we go then. Out! Up! And away! <laughs> This minute, Warden. I can't understand it, Wayne. You say you identified those threatening notes as being in Eric Larson's handwriting? Without question. And the same goes for his voice over the telephone. But that's impossible. That's what I thought until Kent here suggested that maybe Larson wrote the notes and recorded his voice before he died. What? Oh, I see what you mean. But another possibility, Warden, is that Larson is still alive. Oh, no. He isn't alive, Kent. I can personally vouch for that. Why, he died suddenly two weeks ago. Here in state prison? That's right. Where was he buried? Across the road in the prison cemetery. Would you mind letting us see his grave, Warden? Well, what in the world for? What's the idea, Clark? Oh, I'd just like to see it. You don't mind, Warden? Well, I, I suppose not. Come on. We'll pick up a lantern and walk over there. Thank you. Let's go, Bruce. Here's Eric Larson's grave, Kent. Mm-hmm. This one right here? That's right. His name is on the temporary marker. See? Uh-huh. Well, Clark, you satisfied now? Yes. Yes, it's just as I thought, Bruce. Well, what do you mean? Larson may have been buried in this grave. May have been. I told you he was. I saw him buried here. I don't deny that, Warden. But Larson's not here now. Scowling, Warden Hobbs stares unbelievingly at Clark Kent, while Bruce Wayne's eyes widen in amazement. What does this mean? Standing by Eric Larson's grave in the darkness of the state prison cemetery, Clark Kent has just startled Warden Hobbs and Bruce Wayne, who was really the famous Batman, by saying, Larson may have been buried here, but he's not here now. What? You're out of your mind, Kent. If you'll have the casket dug up, Warden, you'll see I'm right. I'll do no such thing. I saw Eric Larson buried here myself two weeks ago. I see no reason for dignifying your ridiculous statement by digging up anything. Warden, we might... Oh, ball of the, the ridiculous... Hey, how would you know, anyway? Huh? Well, I... I well, Kent uh, wouldn't make a statement like that unless he knew what he was talking about, Warden. No? Well, I'll say he doesn't know what he's talking about. Why not open the grave and find out? Are you afraid? Well, of course not. I'll have it opened and show you. Good. You wait here. I'll get a couple of men. Well, that's some cast. Looks like it's solid bronze. That's what it is, Wayne. Larson left $1,000 and a will requesting that he be buried in a bronze coffin. Okay, boys. Set it down right here. Right. Uh, good. Now, you and Mike go back to prison, Jones. I'll call you when I want you. Okay, Warden. Come on, Mike. Come on, uh, Hold that line a little higher, will you, Wayne? Okay. I'll unscrew the headpiece and prove I'm right. How's this? Fine. Hey, that's me. The screws were removed. They were? I could have told you that. Well, look here. There are none in the lid at all. Well, how do you suppose that happened? Oh, I can't understand this. I saw the lid screwed down. Open it, Warden. Well, that's what I'm going to do. Great heavens! Well, the casket is empty. Uh-huh. It's, it's incredible. 
Hey, look here, Kent. How did you know it was empty? How? Oh, I, I could see... You the, couldn't uh, see through six feet of earth in a brown coffin lid. Well, look what... Only the... Superman could do that. Only a... Oh. <coughs> What's the matter, Warden? I, I don't know. I, I feel queer. Dizzy. What? So, so why I... Here, what's the what, matter with what you? Is it? Everything is going brown, brown, black. What? Black. Bruce. Black. Bruce, I haven't taken... What is it? Black, I... Clark, I, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Clark, I, wait a minute. Clark. I've got you, Bruce. Bruce. Warden. Great Scott. They're both unconscious. What's happening here? Puzzled and alarmed, Clark Kent nails by the motionless bodies of Bruce Wayne and Warden Hobbs. Looks in bewilderment from them to the empty bronze casket of Eric Larson. What has happened to Bruce Wayne, who is really the famous Batman, and to the state prison warden? And what is the explanation of the empty casket and the strange notes and telephone calls, which apparently came from a dead man? Don't miss a single episode of our fascinating new story, fellows and girls. Tune in tomorrow, same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pep. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. Kellogg's Pep. P-E-P-Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal presents... The Adventures of Superman. Today, Superman and Batman, still baffled by mysterious notes and telephone calls from a man who has been authoritatively pronounced dead and buried, discover a more immediate danger. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. You know, the busier you are at school, the smarter it is to go in for a real bang-up breakfast. Because uh, if you don't eat right in the morning, how could you have fun at your work and, and take in more fun besides? So tomorrow morning, just get next to a bowl of Kellogg's Pet, the sunshine cereal. See how those crisp, tender flakes of whole wheat tickle your taste. Put you in a mood to eat hearty. Take in that sunny catchy pep flavor, all golden toasted. Why, you'll say Pep's one prize dish. Or you might say Pep's a 49 prize dish, because there are 49 different prizes you can get in packages of Pep. One in every single package. For instance, you can collect seven exciting colored cardboard models of fighting planes. Easy and fun to assemble. And you can collect and get a great new series of 24 bird pictures, each with a full description on the reverse side to, to help you recognize these birds every time. And then there are those 18 bright-colored comic buttons, each with a famous comic strip character to pin on your beanie cap or your jacket. So get busy collecting all three kinds of those wonderful prices. Ask Mom to get you a package of Kellogg's Pep next time she goes shopping. 
now, the adventures of Superman. Called upon for help by his good friend, Batman. The man of steel has found himself faced with a baffling mystery woven about a series of anonymous notes and phone calls, all threatening the life of Robin, youthful companion of Batman. The handwriting in the notes and the voice of the caller were both definitely and unmistakably identified as those of Eric Larson, a man who had been sent to prison by Batman for practicing extortion on Robin's late parents. Yet prison records showed that Larson had died a convict two weeks before the threatening notes and phone calls had begun. As Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne, Superman and Batman visited the state prison, where they were shown Larson's grave. Then, when Kent, employing his X-ray vision, announced that the grave contained an empty coffin, the warden ordered it dug up. As the coffin lid was opened to prove Kent was right, both Wayne and the warden began gasping for breath, and a moment later lost consciousness. As we continue now in the dark prison cemetery, Kent is quickly resuming his identity as Superman. Listen. wonder what made them both choke and pass out like that. Unless... Great Scott, of course. That odor from the open coffin, like a bittersweet perfume. Better get them upstairs where the air is clean and clear. Under my arms with them. There we are. Now, up, up, and away! Yeah, this is better. Yes, they're beginning to breathe normally now, thank you. Ah, Bruce is starting to come around. What? What? What happened? Easy, Bruce, easy. Superman. That's right. Everything's under control. Yes, I'm sure of that, but... but what happened? I'm not quite sure, except that just a minute after we opened the coffin, you and the warden passed out, so I brought you up here. Oh, yes, sorry, man. What's the Hold it, Bruce, hold it. Warden's beginning to come, too. So I'd better take you down and change back to Kent. It'll save answering a lot of embarrassing questions. Sure, go ahead. Okay, here we go to the prison grounds. Down! All right, you stay here with Warden Hobbs, Bruce. I'll change behind that tree. Check. Kent. Wayne. All right here, Warden. What happened? We passed out, both of us. Oh, yes. Now I remember. I got dizzy. I couldn't breathe. Then out like a light. But one for super... Uh, I mean, it weren't for Kent. I don't know what we would have done. Kent, where's to Kent? Oh. Hi, here, Warden. How do you feel? Oh, much better now, thank you, but... Here, wait a minute. Let me help you up. Uh, thanks. You okay? I can manage all right. Good. Say... How did we get here from the cellar? Oh, never mind that. What's more important is what hit us. It's a gas of some kind, I think. Yes, uh-huh. yes. Kent said he detected a peculiar odor when we opened Larson's empty coffin. Oh, good heavens, I, I almost forgot about that. Coffin is empty, isn't it? Empty as old Mother Hubbard's cupboard. Now I recall. You said that before we dug it up. Hey, how did you know it, Kent? Uh, how? Yeah, that's right, how? Well, you see, I... Why, I... that's easy, one. You see, if... If uh, Larson has been sending notes and calling me, why... Yeah, that's right. If he's been doing all that, he couldn't be dead and buried. Isn't that what you mean, Bruce? Well, yes. Yeah, sure, that's right. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, that's... Well, that's what I think prompted you to say the coffin was empty, wasn't it? Uh, why... Oh, stop uh, trying to kid me and yourselves, too. hmm? I know Larson's dead. I saw him before he was buried. I saw him buried in the prison cemetery. There can be no mistake about that. Well, then where's his body? That's right. You saw the empty coffin? Well, I don't know. This this whole thing is so messed up. Not to me. Personally, I'm sold that Larson's alive, that he escaped through some trick. And I still say he's dead, despite the empty coffin. I don't agree with you, Well, this seesawing is heading us no place. Look, Warden, the prison doctor who pronounced Larson dead, where is he? Well, let's see. It's just after 11 o'clock. He's probably making his last rounds into the infirmary now. Well, can we see him? Of course. Good. There's some questions I'd like to ask him. Come on. about it, Mr. Kent. Eric Larson died here in prison. Yeah, you see, Kent? Now, just a moment, please, Warden. Uh, Dr. Marsh, yeah. the last time you saw Eric Larson, were you feeling all right? What's that? What are you getting at? Just a minute, Bruce. 
I asked, were you feeling entirely well, Doctor? Of course I was. Why do you One ask? other question, Doctor. When you examined Larson, did you notice any uh, unusual odor in the room? Oh, now I see what you're talking uh, Why, no, not that I remember. Why? What are you driving at, Mr. Kent? Well, maybe something, maybe nothing. How about the undertaker who handled Larson's body, Warden? He was buried from here. Oh, I see. Now, I can't waste any more time on your ridiculous notions. As far as I'm concerned, Larson is dead. And my only responsibility is to contact the police to investigate the disappearance of his body. Yes, you're quite right. Thank you for your time and trouble, Warden. Thank you, too, Dr. Marshall. You're, you're welcome. welcome. Let's go, Bruce. Well, that's that clock. Now, what do we do? We've still got to determine whether Eric Larson is dead or alive. Well, he's dead, of course. He must be. I admit I thought he might not be, but you heard what Warden Hobbs said, and the prison doctor. Yes, but me, I'll buy your theory that Larson wrote the threatening notes and recorded his voice before he died. Yeah. He turned them over to an accomplice who exhumed his body and is now using the notes and records to try and scare the wits out of Robin and me. Or perhaps lead us into some trap. Well, it could be. I still think it's a good possibility, but... What puzzles me now is that curious odor that came out of the coffin and knocked out you and Warden Hobbs. What is it? Who put it there? Yes, that is a puzzler. But I don't see what it has to do with whether Larson is dead or alive. Well, it just might have everything to do with it. How do you mean? Well, I'll tell you after I make another test which ought to tell the story. I'll just strip down my Superman costume and we'll zip back to your house and have another listen to that record of your conversation with your mysterious caller. Okay. There we are. All set. You ready? Anytime you are. And up with you. All right, here we go. Up and away! Give it a lot of volume, Bruce, and please don't talk while the record is on. Huh? Tell you we're just wasting time. I don't think so. Well, what do you expect to tell from the record? Half a dozen people who knew Larson swear it's his voice. Now you're wasting time. Start the record, will you? Okay. Nothing you can do can save Dick Grayson. I'll follow him to the ends of the earth. Who is this? You know who it is. I don't. What's the meaning of this? What do you want? You know what I want. Revenge. <laughs> well, that's it, Clark. You satisfied? Yes. Yes, I'm satisfied that Eric Larson is alive. What? I said Eric Larson is alive. <laughs> That man stares at the man of steel. After listening to the record which Bruce Wayne made of the telephone conversation, Kent said, Eric Larson is alive, Bruce. Well, you're wrong, Kent. He can't be. He died in prison. He's alive. If his voice had been recorded before his death and played over the telephone on a phonograph, I would have detected the scratching of the needle, slight as it might be. I have pretty sharp ears. Yes, I Although know. Although his replies dovetail too closely with your questions to be on the record. Even if he figured out what you might say and planned his answers accordingly. There would have been a slight pause when the needle was lifted to the next groove and a slight sound when it was set down again. But there was neither pause nor sound. We did not hear a record. Oh, wait a minute. Warden Hobbs said Larson died, and so did the prison doctor. Right. Now, Hobbs has a fine reputation, and besides, I've known him for years. He wouldn't take part in a hoax like this. I know that. I didn't say he took part in it. Well, then how? I don't get it. Remember that strange odor like bitter perfume when Larson's empty coffin was opened? The yes. stuff that knocked you out? Well, what about it? I'm quite sure it was from a drug... Which had been in Larson's body. A drug? Yes, you've heard of curious drugs used in India and in certain islands in the Caribbean, and as so-called witch medicine in portions of Africa, haven't you? Well, certainly. I've heard of many such doings, but what has... That stuff causes a complete suspension of organic activities in the human body. Even paralyzes the heart for a certain period. Well, yes, I've heard of that, but... Great Jupiter. I'm beginning to see now what you're driving at. Good. 
Your angle is that Larson put himself in a sort of state of suspended animation, which made him appear dead. Exactly. But he must have been a confederate. Someone in on his plan who stood by to exhume him after he was buried in that bronze coffin. Certainly. Probably the same one who procured and slipped the drug to him. Then if we can find out from Warden Hobbs who visited Larson, we could trace him or them That's and... just what I have in mind, Bruce. So let's wait. Listen, what's that? Sounds like pounding on your front door. Come on, let's see who it is. Okay. Oh, great Scott. What's the matter? Will you see who it is? Come on, open the door. Good Jupiter, it's Alfred, my butler. Alfred. Alfred. unconscious and bleeding from a head wound. Poor old fellow. Clark, I just remembered something. Alfred was to stay with Robin tonight at Jim Olsen's house. Uh Uh-oh. This looks bad, Bruce. Bloody bad. Their faces drained of color. Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne stared at each other over the unconscious form of Alfred, Batman's trusted butler. Each of them fearful of expressing the worried thoughts that raced through his mind. What has happened? Does Alfred's condition indicate that Jim Olsen and Robin have fallen into danger? Perhaps even into the hands of Eric Larson, who, according to Superman, is still very much alive? We'll know more tomorrow, gang. So don't fail to be with us again. Same time, same station. And remember... For breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pep. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash Silver Age Heroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. The Sunshine Serial presents The Adventures of Superman. Today, Superman and Batman, on the trail of the men suspected of threatening Robin's life, are unaware that Batman's young companion is facing sudden death. 
there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. Yeah, which kind of pet prizes are you collecting? Uh, model airplanes, full-color pictures of birds, or comic buttons to pin on your jacket or your beanie cap? Well, by now, you must have quite a flock of them, because, of course, there's a prize in every single package of pep you open. And they sure are swell prizes. All three kinds. For instance, in your next package of Kellogg's Pep, the Sunshine Cereal, you may find a colored cardboard model of a famous fighting plane, one of seven in the great Pep Air Fleet. Or uh, you'll find one of 24 beautiful color pictures of birds with a full description so you can identify these birds anywhere. Or uh, you'll find one of a grand series of 18 colored comic buttons with characters straight out of the funnies. Just as if Pep's golden Christmas and, and sunny flavor weren't a prize all for themselves. Why, Pep's is strictly terrific tasting that a bowl of those crunchy golden whole wheat flakes makes breakfast a regular fun feast. You get that catchy Pep flavor and bingo! Your spoon just naturally dips down in your bowl for more. So ask Mom to get you a supply of Kellogg's Pep tomorrow first thing. And now the adventures of Superman. A series of anonymous letters and phone calls threatening the life of Dick Grayson, who we know as Robin, Batman's young companion, were identified as coming from Eric Larson, a man who had been sent to the penitentiary five years ago on Robin's testimony. But to Batman's amazement, he was informed by the prison authorities that Larson had died two weeks before the threatening notes and calls had begun. Alarmed for Robin's safety, Batman called in his friend Superman, and together they visited the state prison where Superman's X-ray vision revealed that Larson's grave contained an empty coffin. Back at Batman's house, Superman listened carefully to a recording of Batman's conversation with the mysterious caller, and then announced... There's no doubt left in my mind, Bruce. Larson is alive. Alive? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, then how... My hunch is that he used a certain oriental drug that placed him in a state of suspended animation, which even fools doctors. Pronounced dead, he was buried. Oh, I get it. And he was dug up by a confederate, came out of his unconscious state... And and began his campaign of revenge against Robin. Before Kent and Bruce Wayne, who was in reality Batman, could move to further explore Kent's theory, they heard a heavy knock on the door. Rushing out, they found Alfred, Batman's trusted butler, unconscious and bleeding from a head wound. Suddenly, Wayne remembered that Alfred had gone with Robin to Jim Olsen's house. As we continue today, they have bandaged Alfred's wound and are trying to bring him to. Listen. Do you think that Larson... Oh. Wait a minute, we'll know soon enough. I think Alfred's beginning to come around. Uh, Alfred. Alfred, what happened? Wait a minute, uh, Give him a chance to come out of this before you start firing questions. But Robin and Jim were... Patient, Bruce. Here, Alfred. Drink this. Uh, drink it. Uh, Batman. I mean, Mr. Wayne's... Yes, Alfred, what happened to you? I... I did my best. What do you mean? Easy, Bruce. They, they were too much for us. Who was? Who are you talking about? Wait, Bruce, wait a minute. Now, Alfred, take it slowly from the beginning and tell us everything... I I can't, sir. I can't. When I think of those two boys... What about them, Alfred? They're they're gone. Gone? Gone? Yes. I'm afraid we may never see either of them again. Startled, Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne stiffen with shock. A split second later, they both galvanize into action, each terribly worried about his young friend. Then after a flurry of swiftly fired questions, Alfred begs them to stop and settles down to telling the story of what happened. Mr. Wayne, Rob, I mean Dick, and I went over to Jim Olsen's house tonight to direct Yes, yes, go on, Alfred, go on. Yes. Well, there was a picture of the cinema nearby which the boys wished to see, and I saw no arm in their going since I was to accompany them. Oh, I shouldn't have let them go. You warned me that Dick was in danger. That's right, but you did go, Alfred, so now please get on with the story. Yes, sir. Mrs. Olsen, Jim's mother, said she was too tired to go with us, so we set out alone. We were walking up the street. It was quite dark when Jim noticed his car stop up ahead. Honey, Dick. 
What is, Jim? I stopped in front of Stuffy Phillips' house. Oh, so what? Oh, Stuffy and his folks are visiting his sister up in Boston. They're not coming back till next week. Well, maybe they decided to come back early. But, but they haven't got a car. Hey, wait a minute. What's the matter, Master Jim? Yeah, what's eating you, Phil? Don't you see those men standing by the car? Sure, they must have a flat, see? One of them's putting a jack under the bar. Oh, oh, yeah. Come on. What's the matter? You got the willies or something? No, but... Well, it's dark, and I didn't notice they had tire trouble. I just saw them standing there. <laughs> Perhaps Master Jim thought they were stick-up men. What? Uh-huh, and he's scared. Look, Alfred, I'll hold his right hand, and you hold his other hand. Right-o, Master Dick. Oh, cut it out. I okay, was... Hey, boys, grab it. Master Dick, look out! Hey, what is it? Told you, oh. Dick, this is trouble. Hey, you'll find out, sonny boy. Oh, yeah, maybe you'll find out. Uh, I'll try this for size. <laughs> Let him have it, Alfred. Right-o, Master Dick. Dick, this will rub you. Oh, oh. Look out, Alfred. <laughs> struck me on the head with the butt of his gun, and I went down. I didn't quite lose consciousness, but I couldn't get up. My head was swimming, and my legs were like water. Dick and Jim continued fighting, but they didn't have a chance against those big ruffians. They were carried into the car, which sped away with Dick and Jim, leaving me lying there. I uh, managed to get to my feet after a while, but I was pretty dazed. I staggered over to the boulevard and found a taxi, and, well, here I am. Great Jupiter. Clark, Eric Larson, he must be behind this. Now, wait a minute, Bruce. It must be Larson. He's been threatening Dick, and you've I... just convinced me that he's alive. Oh, I know, but that doesn't prove he did this. Did you notify the police, Alfred? By Jove, I quite forgot, Mr. Kent. I was too dazed, you I'll think? call Inspector... No, no, wait, Bruce. Let Alfred do it. Now, get this, Alfred. Tell Inspector Innocent exactly what happened, and tell him I said to look for a man named Eric Larson, who supposedly died at the stake two weeks ago. But if he died, I don't understand. He didn't die. Tell Henderson I'll see him and explain later, but meanwhile, to broadcast an alarm for Larson. Have you got that? Yes, sir. Then get on the phone in a hurry. Come on, Bruce. Into this room. Right with you, Clark. All right, quick now. Strip down to your costume. This is a job for Batman and Superman. Wait. Look, can't you know I don't scare anybody? Well, I'll admit I'm scared now. If Eric Larson has Dick got to keep cool. Wait. Uh-oh. Thunderstorm. That's not going to make our job any easier. Hurry it up, Batman. Right. Okay, I'm all set. All right, up with this window. Yeah, get a grip on me. Check. I'll hang on to your belt and for heaven's sake, show me some speed. I'll show you plenty of speed. Out, up, and away! Well, here's where it happened, Batman. That's the Phillips house. There's a fight here already. Look, the lawn's all cut up. Yes. Well, the rain has washed away any good footprints, though. Uh-oh, I was afraid of that. Yes, and it washed away the tracks of the car, too. Where do we go from here? How do we find Robin and Jim? I don't know, Batman. You've got me. It looks as if we're stumped. Deeply worried, Superman and Batman stand in the dark, teeming rain, temporarily stymied in their efforts to trace Dick Grayson and Jimmy Olsen. Meanwhile, in a small room of a bungalow in the thinly settled outskirts of Metropolis, Dick Grayson awakes with a throbbing headache to find himself lying on the floor, his hands tied behind him. Struggling painfully to a sitting position, he sees for the first time the only other occupant of the room, a heavy-shouldered, bullet-headed man in a torn jersey who sits tipped back in a chair against the wall. Who are you? Don't you know, sonny boy? Me, I'm Sandy Claus. <laughs> oh, a comedian, huh? Where am I? In my castle up at the North Pole. <laughs> Ain't it cold, though, huh? <laughs> Look, pack that coin in the can, will you? What's this all about? Where's Jim Olsen? 
Be the skinny fuck with the freckled foot. You can skip the graphic description. Just tell me where he is. You really want to know where he is, sonny boy? Of course I do. Now give. Where is he? In your father's mustache. <laughs> oh, you dumb clown. If I could just get these ropes off, I... You do what, Grayson? I... Jeepers. No. No, it can't be. <laughs> Surprise, eh? Hello, boss. Hey, listen, this here... Get kid... out of here, Willie. Okay, why the shocked look, Dickie boy? Recognize an old friend? His eyes popping, Grayson, who was really Robin, stares at the lean, hollow-cheeked man whose burning eyes reflect his hate. The man who has sworn vengeance on him, and who had been buried as dead. In a room in a bungalow on the outskirts of Metropolis, Dick Grayson, his hands tied behind him, stares incredulously at Eric Larson, then gasps. died in prison two weeks ago. <laughs> Do I look dead, Grayson? No, but but how? I don't understand. Five years ago, when you helped send me to the penitentiary, I told you I'd get back at you. Didn't I? Now my time has come. So you and your gang who grabbed Jim and me tonight, wasn't it? That's right. It's been a long time since I'd seen you, you know, and you've grown up since then. Because I couldn't be sure in the dark which was you and which was Olsen... I took you both. What did you do with Jim? Oh, I took care of him. What do you mean? What do you think, Annie? You... you killed him? Let's just say I made sure he can't describe me to the police. You see, the police think I died in a state prison. <laughs> I want them to keep on thinking that when they find your body. Killing Dick Grayson stares at the... Hollow-cheeked, burning-eyed man whom only Superman and Batman suspect is alive. The man who came back from the grave to avenge himself upon Batman's young companion. What will happen to Robin and what has happened to Jimmy Olsen? At the moment, Superman and Batman are without a clue. Tomorrow's episode is packed with suspense, gang, so don't miss it. Tune in, same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pet. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is the copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. Behold my precious. Ooh, yeah, let me something right here, uh huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, full of exclusive loot on surprises and delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Yeehoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, there's a box just about for all collectors in. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F-E-N-I-X media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it? You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, no, it's Superman.
faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Kellogg's Pep. P-E-P-Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, presents... The Adventures of Superman. Superman on the trail of Eric Larson is unavailable at the time when he is most needed. Hello there, gang. This is your pal, Dan McCullough. Say, uh, your collection of pet prizes must be pretty far along by now. That is, if you've been saving the prize in every package of pet you open, because there's one of three different kinds of prizes you may find there. For instance, uh, maybe you're collecting those snappy pet comic buttons. There are 18, you know, in the series, each picturing a favorite comic strip character to, to pin on your jacket or your beanie cap. Or uh, maybe you're going in for those bright-colored bird pictures. There are 24 of those to collect, each with a full description so that you can wise up the gang on birds. And uh, have you rounded up all seven of those colored cardboard plane models? Each one's a, a model of a famous fighting plane, like Lockheed Ventura, or a British Lancaster, or a Curtis Helldiver. All in all, that makes 49 different prizes you can collect. One in every package of Pet, the sunshine cereal. And meanwhile, you can be enjoying breakfast with those crisp golden whole wheat flakes of Pet. Mm-mm. Pep does make with a flavor. A catchy, fresh flavor. A sunny, toasted flavor. In short, a Pet flavor. And it really sends you. So, for prize eating and your surprise prize, ask Mom to get you Kellogg's Pep tomorrow. Now the adventures of Superman. Series of anonymous phone calls and notes threatening the life of his young companion Robin prompted the famous Batman to ask his friend Superman for help. Together they investigated a man named Eric Larson, whom Batman suspected because Robin's testimony had sent him to prison. Batman and Superman had just discovered that Larson had cleverly escaped from prison when they were advised that Robin, whose real name is Dick Grayson, had been with Jim Olsen when they were both seized and spirited away in a car. Now, with both Superman and Batman unaware of his and Jim's whereabouts, young Grayson, his hands bound tightly behind him, lies on the floor of a bungalow on the outskirts of Metropolis. Eric Larson, a hollow-cheeked man with deep-set burning eyes, chuckles mirthlessly in response to a question about Jim. Then he speaks. I've taken care to see that Olsen will not be able to describe me to the police. Now, when... You mean you killed Jim? I don't have to draw you a diagram, Grayson. But, but he never did anything... It's neither here nor there. You, my young friend, are important to me. It is for this moment that I endured five long years in state prison. Yes, five years a prisoner behind bars. That was too good for you. Why, you... You should have gone to the chair for murdering my mother and father. You can never prove that. Maybe not. But I did prove you blackmailed them until you bled them dry of money. Yes. Yes, you did. And for that, I swore to get you. And now... I've got you, and I'm going to make you pay heavy for the time I spent behind those gray stone walls. If the police don't track you down and take you back where you belong first. <laughs> Not a chance, son. Not a chance. No? Well, smarter crooks than you have been tripped up by the police. Don't forget that. Yeah, smarter, perhaps, but not so careful. Oh, yeah? What makes you so cocksure? Because, Master Grayson, I am legally dead. What? That's right. I don't suppose there's any harm in telling you now that through the use of a certain oriental drug, I fooled the prison authorities in pronouncing me dead. Then after I was buried in the prison cemetery, I was removed by a, a friend. 
And here I am, ready for revenge. Oh, but but this catch on. Somebody will find out. Batman, my friend Bruce Wayne will find out. He'll manage to... <laughs> You're whistling in the dark, reason. You're squirming. And that does my heart good. The only trouble is there's not much time left for me to enjoy your performance. Because in just a short while, I expect Mr. Marsh to arrive. Mr. Marsh? And when he comes, the curtain falls on your performance. Why? Who's Mr. Marsh? You'll know soon enough. So start saying your prayers. Mr. Wayne, relax. We're doing everything we can to find young Grayson. Well, I'm sure you are, Inspector, but I tell you we'll never get anywhere unless you put out a dragnet for Eric Lawson. Now, look, let's be sensible. What's the point in looking for a dead man? The point is, as I told you before, Clark, Ken, and I are both convinced that Larson's alive. That Larson affected a prison break through the use of an oriental drug that causes suspended animation, causes death. Ah, uh, poppycock. Just a moment. That's my phone. Hello? Yes, please. What? What? The fault? Don't be catfish. How did he... What's that? A kid. What's happening, Inspector? Come over, Wayne. Yeah? Yeah, go ahead, Healy. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, just at that. Sure. Did you call the river patrol? I see. Okay, I'll be right out there. What is it, Inspector? Well, there's a kid caught in the rocks at Horseshoe Bend, Wayne. The head of the fall. What? Yeah, he's about 16 years old, Healy says, as near as they can judge with binoculars. He can't hold on much longer, and they can't get a rope to him. A skinny youngster with ginger hair, freckled. What? Well, that sounds like Jim Olsen. Yeah. Come on. Come on. I'm going out there. Hey, Jupiter, maybe, maybe Dick... Oh, Inspector, wait. Huh? We've got to call Clark Kent. Well, why do you want to bother about Kent? What can he do? You'd be surprised. Look, he's up at the state prison talking with Warden Hobbs. Please have someone call him, Inspector, and tell him what happened. Okay, I'll tend to it on the way out. Let's go. <laughs> sure this man, Wilfred Ellis, is the only visitor Larson had during his stay in prison, Warden Hobbs? He's the only one shown on the records, Kent. Mm-hmm. And Ellis must be the one who brought him the drug and perhaps helped him escape. Are you still harping on that drug, Kent? Yes, I am, Warden, because I'm convinced he's alive. But we won't waste time arguing. I've got to find him, and when I do, I'll find Jim Olson and Dick Grayson. But I've got to work fast. Would you give me the address of this Wilfred Ellis, please? Of course. Yeah, here it is on his visitor's card. The Great American and International Circus. What? Did you say circus? That's right. Why? Nothing, only Larson used to be ringmaster of a circus, and Dick Grayson's parents were performers in the same outfit. Is that so? Yes, this sounds like a hot lead, Warden. All I've got to do is find out where the great American and international circus is playing. Uh, wait till I answer the phone, No Kent. time to wait, Warden. Many thanks for the information. So long. Uh, you're wasting your time, Kent, but good luck. Thanks. See you again. Warden Hobbs speaking. This is Police Headquarters. Is Clark Kent up there? Kent? Well, he just left my office. Is it important? Yeah, very. Just a minute. Maybe I can still get him. Hold on. He's going already. That fellow must move like the wind. Now I'll catch the main entrance. Main entrance, Cannon speaking. Uh, Mr. Clark Kent just left my office in a great hurry, so he must be at your gate now. Will you step well, out? He's not here, Warden. What? Are you sure? Yes, sir, I'm sure. Well, well. Where in blazes did he get to? Amazed, Warden Hobbs scratches his head. Unaware that Clark Kent is Superman is by this time rocketing through the skies to pursue his latest clue. Still unaware of the latest development at Horseshoe Falls, where Batman and his guys Bruce Wayne have just arrived with Inspector Henderson. Standing on a bank of the river bend, Wayne 
focuses a pair of binoculars across the swift flowing water to a mass of black jagged rocks 100 yards away at the head of the rushing tumbling fall. There, clinging to one of the rocks at the very brink of the foaming cascade, Wayne sees a small, thin figure. For a split second, he peers at the figure, then gasps to Anderson, Inspector, that is Jim Olsen. Jim Olsen? Yes, I'm sure of it. Suffering catfish. Here, let me have those glasses, Wayne. Here you are. Sergeant Healy, why doesn't that police force shoot a rope out to him? They've been trying to, but the poor kid can't let go his hold in the rock long enough to reach for it. If he does, he'll be swept over the fall. Yes, Jim, all right. Hey, how'd he ever get out there? I don't know, Inspector. Can't that port work in closer and send a swimmer out with a rope? The current's too strong for the to get any closer, Mr. Wayne. And any swimmer would be pulled over the fog before he could reach the rock. Well, I know one who won't. What do you mean? Say, why are you taking your shoes off? What do you suppose? I'm going in after Jim. What? Are you not? Oh, don't you be drowned. Maybe not. Anyhow, something's got to be done to help Jim. He can't hang on much longer. But you won't have a chance in that water, Wayne. Listen, Inspector. Contact that police court and tell them to shoot a rope out ahead of me. I'll drive it, tie it around my waist, and carry it out to Jim. Then they can pull us both back in. No, wait. Hold on, no. Stop, Wayne. Don't. Inspector Henderson and Sergeant Healy watch with horrified admiration as Bruce Wayne, who was really Batman, begins a seemingly futile fight with the powerfully rushed current which reaches for him with hungry, cruel fingers. Swimming powerfully, a rope from the police boat tied around his waist. Bruce Wayne, who was really the famous Batman, has fought his way through the swiftly surging river to the jagged black rocks at the head of Horseshoe Falls, to one on which Jimmy Olsen clings with his last ounce of strength. Now, as Inspector Henderson and Sergeant Healy watch from the riverbank with bated breath, Wayne throws an arm around the exhausted Jimmy, raises himself against the rock, lifts his other arm, and a signal to the police tug to pull him and his burden in. He made it! He made it! Never saw anything like that, Inspector. Look, he's got Olsen. He's starting to pull him toward the boat. I see that. Man, that Wayne is terrific. And they call him a boy. Hey, boy or not, he's got what it takes, all right. Hey, why don't they pull him in faster? Yeah, they've got to be careful not to snap the rope. But the jagged rocks here. Job is racing. You see? They're trying to keep the line clear of the rocks. Yeah. I don't like the way the rope's cutting across that. Holy handy, Inspector. Look, the rope's broke. Great heaven, they'll be swept over the falls. Swim way for Pete's sake. Swim oh, way. No use. They haven't got a chance. Not a ghost of a chance. Aghast, Inspector Anderson and Sergeant Healy watches Bruce Wayne still clinging to the limp exhausted Jimmy Olsen. Struggles to fight his way out of the hissing, white, boiling, angry water, which stubbornly sweeps them on toward the very brink of the rocky fall. With Superman as yet unaware of their predicament, can anything save Batman and Jimmy now? And what of Batman's young companion, Robin, condemned to death by Eric Larson, escaped convict who swore vengeance? Tomorrow's thrilling episode will have you sitting on the edges of your chairs from start to finish and winds up with a terrific surprise. So don't miss it. Tune in, same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pep. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. 
Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Kellogg's Pep. P-E-P-Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, presents... The Adventures of Superman. Today, Superman affects a thrilling rescue of Jimmy Olsen but runs into a baffling blind alley with Batman in their effort to trace Dick Grayson. Hello there, gang. This is your pal, Dan McCullough. You know, the swell prize in each package of Kellogg's Pep is only one of three different kinds of Pep prizes you can get and collect. That's why collecting Pep prizes keeps right on being fun for weeks and weeks. First off, it's mighty exciting to see which kind of prize you'll get in your next Pep package. Uh, maybe it's a bright-colored comic button picturing a favorite comic strip character, 18 and all, to, to pin on your jacket or your beanie cap. Or uh, maybe it's a bird picture in gleaming color. You can collect 24 of them, each with a full description on the reverse side. Or uh, maybe your next pet prize will be one of seven colored cardboard plane models, a set to put together. Yes, sir, you keep right on having fun when you're collecting the prizes and packages of Pet, the sunshine cereal. And all the while, you can keep on enjoying breakfast with those crunchy golden whole wheat flakes of Pet. Flakes all crisp and, and fresh and catchy tasting as you spoon them up. I mean, Pep makes with a flavor in a strictly terrific way. So get going, gang. Ask Mom to get you Kellogg's Pep tomorrow and look for your prize inside the package. And now the adventures of Superman. Jimmy Olsen and Dick Grayson, who was really Robin, were captured by Eric Larson, an escaped convict who had sworn to destroy Batman's young companion. In his hideout, Larson told Dick that he would be done away with as soon as a man named Marsh arrived, and inferred that Jimmy was already finished. But yesterday, the police sighted Jimmy in the river, clinging desperately to a rock at the head of Horseshoe Falls. As the police boat hovered nearby, unable to get in close enough to rescue the boy reporter, Batman fought the angry rapids and swam to Jim with a rope. But just as the police began to draw them to safety, the rope broke. As we continue now, Batman, supporting the half-drowned Jimmy, has managed to grasp a jagged rock at the very brink of the roaring cascade. Fighting to keep the rushing, swirling water from sweeping him and Jimmy to death in the fall, Batman feels his great strength heavy. Listen, Mike. Can't hold on. Much longer. Only Superman could save the day now. I guess they couldn't reach me. Almost lost my trip that time. I'm sorry, Jim Boy, I did my best, but I'm afraid this is the end of the line for both of us. you been? Up to the state prison, Lois. I think I have a clue to Eric Larson. I've just got to find out where the great American and international circus is. Never mind that now. Come with me. Where? To the Daily Planet radio station and hurry. What for? I'm going to broadcast for Superman. Superman? Why? What's up? It's about Jim. Oh, Clark, Jim. I'm just... Wait a minute, Lois. Wait a minute. What's happened? No, we can't stop now. Oh, poor Jim. Only Superman can Wait, save. I can't. Tell me what happened. What about Jim? He's in the river. What? At the top of Horseshoe Falls, hanging onto a rock. The police can't get a rope to him. And... Great Scott. I... Well, don't just stand there, Bob. We've got to broadcast it. Superman. I told you only he can save Jimmy. You stay here, Lois. I, I, I think I can contact Superman. You? How? Never mind how. Just stay here. Only I'm not too late. Clark! Clark, wait! Rushing across the Daily Planet City Room to a deserted storeroom, Clark Kent strips off his business suit and stands revealed in the blue costume and red cape of Superman. Up! Up! And away! <laughs> Throwing open a window, the Man of Steel rockets away and flashes across the Metropolis River. Speaking above wooded shores, it comes upon the river as it sweeps around Horseshoe Bend and rushes pell-mell toward the Great Falls. 
Then, spotting Batman, who was still struggling to hold him and himself from going over the falls, Superman dives in. Yeah. Okay, Batman. Everything's under control. Superman. Right. Thank heaven. Yeah, thank you. You hang on to my cake. Jack. Is he... He's alive. Good. The poor kid took an awful beating. What about Robin? I haven't seen him. What? If he were in the river, too, he must have been swept over the falls. Maybe not. Jim will know. I'm going to take him to his house now. Hang on. All right. Here we go. Up and away! Mrs. Olson, Jim's going to be okay. Oh. Just has to stay in bed for a day or two. Sure. I'm fine, Mom. There, you see? Now you go to your own room and rest, Mrs. Olson. Mr. Wayne and I have to ask Jim a couple of questions, and then we'll be going, too. Well, all right. Now, Jim, you feel up to talking? Sure. I feel a little weak, that's all. But tell me something first. What about Dick Grayson? Is he okay? Don't you know? We thought you could tell us. Gee, I don't know, Mr. Wayne. Was he in the river with you? I... I don't know. I was hoping you could tell me. Oh, Clark. Take it easy, Bruce. Look, Jim, you'd better start at the beginning, from where those men jumped you and Dick last night and took you away in the car. Now, first, do you know who they were? No. Do you hear any names mentioned? No, except the driver was called Joe. Well, that's a lot of help. Go on, Jim, go on. What happened? Well, these guys dumped Dick and me in their car and drove off pretty fast. Uh-huh. We didn't know what it was all about, but when we asked them, they told us to shut up. They said if we yelled, they'd shoot us. Uh-huh. We couldn't see anything because we were on the floor of the car. I know we were near the river or the harbor. How? Well, because I could hear foghorns. Oh. Then I heard one of them say, Slow down, Joe. I know which one is Grayson now. This is a good place to get rid of the other kid. We'll wrap him on the noggin, dump him out, and roll him down into the water. Oh. Then what? Well, the next thing I knew, something hit me behind the ear and everything went black. I don't remember anything else till I came to in the river. The current was sweeping me along... I could hear this roaring up ahead. I just about had time to realize I was being carried into the falls when I was on them. I managed to catch onto a rock, but everything was starting to go black again. Then Mr. Wayne got there. Thank heaven he did. What happened to Dick? I've got to know. We're going to find out right now. Come on, Bruce. Where? Are you downstairs. Hurry. So long, Jim. Oh, look. Goodbye, Jim. Can I go with you? Nothing doing. You stay in bed and obey the doctor's orders. We'll be in touch with you as soon as we find Dick. Clark, will you please tell me what's on your mind? Come on downstairs. Okay, but we like... know now that Eric Larson was behind this. Oh, sure, but how? Well, I've got a lead to him. You have? Uh-huh. Sir, I discovered that he had only one visitor while he was in prison. A fellow named Wilfred Ellis. Ever hear of him? Wilfred Ellis. That sounds familiar. He's with a great American and international circus. What? That's right. Eric Larson was ringmaster of that circus five years ago. Mm-hmm. And Dick's friends were aerialists with the same outfit when Larson cut their high wire and murdered them. Correct, but I say keep your voice down, Bruce. Wilfred Ellis. Yes, I remember him now. He's a well-known clown. Clown, eh? Yes. You say he was Larson's only visitor at State Prison? That's right. Now, let's go. Oh, and wait see. a minute. If Ellis were Larson's only visitor, he must be the one who brought him the drug which made him appear dead. And then helped Larson escape from prison. Of course. So I figure Ellis should be able to tell us where Larson is. I see. Okay, come on. We've got to hop up to Buffalo. Buffalo? Well, what for? That's where the great American and international circus is playing. Found that out while the doctor was working over Jim. Oh, I see. Well, let's get going right away. Just a minute. Why? Okay. Nobody out in front. I've just stripped down to my Superman costume. Oh, can't if I could only get my hands on that Larson. Well, if this lead works, you'll have your wish. Here we are. Now, up with you, Batman. Check. Oh, if only this lead hasn't come too late. Just keep hoping. Here we go. Next stop, Buffalo. Up! Up! Away! Away! <laughs> 
Daily Planet. This is my friend Bruce Wayne. Right. What can I do for you? We'd like to talk to one of your performers, if we may. Wilfred Ellis. Wilfred Ellis, eh? Uh-huh. Well, I'd like to talk to him myself. What? Well, what do you mean? I mean that after all the money I spent building him up to be a star, he walks out on me. The dirty ingrate. Walked out? You mean he, he's quit the circus? That's exactly what I mean. Of all the ungrateful dirty tricks, that one takes the brass ring. Well, tell me, when was this? I mean, when did he leave you? Last week. Well, do you have any idea where he went or where he can be found? No, I don't know, mister. If I oh. believe me, I... Well, wouldn't any of the other performers know? Nope, he just walked off the lot in Metropolis last week after mentioning to one of the animal men he was quitting. And nobody's seen hide nor hair of him since. Hey, that's bad. Now, how are we going to find Robin? Dismayed, Clark and Bruce Wayne hear the circus manager tell them that the circus clown, their only clue to Eric Larson and Dick Grayson, has disappeared. While Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne find themselves in a blind alley in Buffalo, back in Metropolis in his bungalow hideout on the outskirts of the city, the hollow-cheeked, burning-eyed Eric Larson is saying to Dick Grayson, whose hands are tied behind him. I finished your father and mother, Grayson. And as soon as my friend, Mr. Marsh, gets here, I'm going to finish you. Hey, Eric. What is it, Willie? That guy you were waiting for, you know, that Mr. Marsh. He's here. That's fine. Bring him right in, Willie. Bring him right in. Okay. Right this way, Mr. Marsh. Now, say, boy, this is it. After five minutes more, there'll no longer be a reason for keeping you alive. Black eyes burning feverishly in his sallow, hollow-cheeked face. Eric Larson grins eagerly in contemplation of the revenge he has planned for Dick Grayson. We know to be open. Is this the end for Batman's gallant young companion? Or is there yet some way that Superman and Batman at this moment miles away can locate Robin in time? Tomorrow's episode tells the story with many thrills and much excitement. So don't miss it. Tune in again, same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pet. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Kellogg's Pep. P-E-P Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, presents... The Adventures of Superman. Today, Superman and his friend Batman are still trying desperately to pick up the trail of Batman's young companion, Robin. 
unaware that at any moment they may be too late to save the boy's life. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. Say, which is it? Is it a bird? Is it a plane? Is it a button? Well, it's anybody's guess until you open your package of Kellogg's Pep and see which one of those three kinds of prizes you'll get. So every prize is always an exciting surprise. Sure, it might be a a beautiful full-color bird picture from a series of 24, each with a description on the reverse side so that you can reel off the name of any of these birds around. Or uh, it might be a model of a fighting plane, one of seven thrilling plane models in the series, all made of colored cardboard and easy to assemble. Or uh, your next pep prize might be one of Pep's 18 slick comic buttons, picturing one of your favorite comic strip characters to pin on your beanie cap or your jacket. And say, speaking of characters, you'll be a mighty happy character yourself when you dig into your bowl of Kellogg's Pep, because every spoonful of these crisp whole wheat flakes tickles your taste with its keen, catchy, sunshine flavor. Every bowlful is a treat. Every dish of Pep just about doubles the fun of breakfast. So get going, gang. Ask Mom for Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, and see whether the prize inside your package is a bird, a plane, or a button. Now, the adventures of Superman. Certain that Dick Grayson, who was really Robin, was in the hands of Eric Larson, an escaped convict who had sworn to destroy the youngster, Batman and Superman followed their only clue, a circus clown who they believed had helped Larson escape from prison. But when they arrived at the circus, they were dismayed to learn that the clown had quit and left with no forwarding address. Meanwhile, in a bungalow on the outskirts of Metropolis, Larson had just finished telling Dick that he would be shot as soon as a man named Marsh appeared when Willie, a henchman, announced the arrival of the mysterious Mr. Marsh. As we continue now, Marsh, a slender, neatly dressed man with a toothbrush mustache, follows the huge Willie into the room, where Dick Grayson, his hands tied behind him, stands before the hollow-cheeked Eric Larson. Send your man out of the room, please, Larson. Well, Willie's all right, Mr. Marsh. You needn't worry about it. Send him out of the room, I said. Okay, okay. Go on out and wait in the hall, Willie. Okay. Sure, boy. Close the door after you, please. Okay. I tell you, you're wasting your time, Marsh. This boy is Dick Grayson. He looks like a Grayson, but I must be certain. Here, have a look at this, Marsh. I took this wallet off him. It's got his name in it and his address. He lives over on Wickersham Drive with that rich playboy, Bruce Wayne. I wish that playboy were here right now. We'd fix your clocks. I see. So your name is Dick Grayson. So what? What's this all about? Who are you and what do you want? Punk. What were the names of your father and mother, boy? Mr. and Mrs. Grayson, of course. Now look, Marsh, you're not going to get anywhere with no, this. Wait, Larson. There's something else in this wallet. A snapshot. Don't you touch that. This is very interesting. A young man and a young woman in the costumes of circus aerialists. Put that away. I didn't notice the snapshot. Let's see. Keep your dirty hands off that picture, Larson. Both of you. Hey, that's the kid's father and mother. Are they, Dick? That's none of your business. I think I know a way to find out. Ah, here's my cigarette lighter. What are you going to do? This snapshot was covered with cellophane. Apparently, Dick treasured it. But if it isn't of his parents, I'm sure he won't mind my burning it, so... No, don't! It's the only picture I've got of them. I can only get these ropes off. And these people are your parents. Yes. Now put that picture away. Stop handling it. Now, you see, Marsh, he's the right... Just a minute. What were your parents' names, Dick? I want a straight answer now. John and Yvonne. Where was your mother born? In France. Now, are you satisfied, Marsh? Just one more question. Did you ever see your paternal grandfather, Dick? Your father's father? What's it to you? 
this is important to you as well as to me. Answer me, Dick. Did you ever see your paternal grandfather? No, I didn't. My grandfather was angry with my father because he joined a circus. And then because he married my mother, who was an heiress in the circus, too. He wrote my father he never wanted to see him again. So none of us ever went near him. Your grandfather was very poor, wasn't he? Poor? Shucks, no, he was a millionaire. A millionaire? Correct. I'm satisfied, Larson. This is the boy. Take care of him. <gasps> what? Wait a minute. You didn't tell me the kid's grandfather was a millionaire. What difference should that make to you? What difference? Why, when I finish this kid and his grandfather dies, as you say, he's dying now. Grandfather dying? Well, well, go on, Larson. Then you'll inherit his millions. Exactly. According to Mr. Grayson's will, if anything happens to his grandson Dick here, I, his companion and secretary, inherit the entire estate. Sure. What? You mean my grandfather wants to leave me his money? That's right. He's got soft-hearted in his old age. He wants to see you. As a matter of fact, he thinks I'm going to bring you to him. Oh, I'll be... Now I get it. You're getting millions out of this, Marsh, and you're giving me a measly $5,000 for taking the risk, doing your dirty work. I got you out of jail, didn't I, Larson? Yeah, but... And I'm giving you the chance to revenge yourself on this boy, the person responsible for your prison sentence. So what? I still say five grand isn't enough for this job. I say it is, Larson. Not when it means you're getting millions. I want my share. You're getting all you deserve. Don't give me that. If I talked, where would you be? Like that, eh? That's the way it could be. Unless you want to discuss giving me a decent cut. I see. How much would you consider fair? I want half of what you get. Fifty-fifty. Be reasonable, Larson. If I guarantee you, let's say, a half million, how would that strike you? Half a million? Well, well, that might be okay. But you've got to put it in writing. I'll put it in writing. As soon as you get rid of Dick Grayson. <laughs> That'll be a pleasure. Now do it right now. Now, now wait a minute, Larson. I warn you, you're putting a noose around your neck. <laughs> Listen to the little punk. What's more, you'll even be done out of your share of my inheritance. Now, look here. This man's a crook, Larson. Don't just stand, Larson. Do away with him. Okay, here I go. Hey, boy, come here, quick. Get away, Willie. No, listen, you've got to listen. They're on to you. What? Who is? The cops. What are you talking about, Willie? The radio. Go listen to the radio. Go ahead, boss. The cops, they're on to you. Yippee. What? I told you, pal. Hurry up, boss. Come on, listen to the radio. This sounds bad, Larson. You bet it's bad, brother. Worse than that for you. What do you watch this little... Come on, Marsh. Let's see what this is all about. Repeat. All cars in District Precincts. Be on the lookout for one Eric Larson, who is suspected of being alive and of having abducted a 14-year-old boy named Dick Grayson. How could they know that, Larson? Uh, I don't know. Larson is 43 years old, 5 feet 10... About 160 pounds, brown hair, sallow complexion, black eyes. This man is dangerous. Report any information on him to headquarters immediately. That is all. Rickers, how'd they find out I was alive? I can't imagine. But I'm afraid that means... The drug you sent me was no good. What are you talking about? The prison authorities declared you dead. They even buried you. Yeah, yeah that's right. I can't understand it. I... I'm worried. They'll find me. I'll never get out this time. They'll throw the book at me. Send me up for life. Maybe... No, no, no. Take it easy. Don't lose your head. I'll see you safely through this, Larson. You... You will? Yes. Go in and finish Dick Grayson. And I'll take you to the Grayson yacht, and we'll sail away to some place where you can live in peace. No. Now, nothing doing. I can't kill that Grayson kid now. What do you mean? The cops know I'm alive. They know I grabbed the Grayson kid. That I sent those notes to Bruce Wayne telling him I'd get Grayson. So now if they find him finished, they'll know I did it. I'll get the chair. I'll... Don't worry, Larson. They won't find you. No. No, I can't take the chance. Oh, yes, you can, Larson. 
And you will. No, I... What's the idea of putting a gun on me? Because I plan to use it on you. What? No, no, Marsh, look. This I... works out very well. I'm going to kill you, Lassie. me? But I... Yes, of course. This works out beautifully. You see, I killed you and Grayson. Then call the police and tell them I got here just too late to prevent you from shooting Dick Grayson. You see? Why, you... You dirty double-crosser. Did you think I'd be fool enough to let you live, knowing all you do about me? Yeah, but, but why did you get me out of jail if To you... get rid of Grayson for me. Then I was arranging for you to accept the blame for it. Now I'll just change my plans a bit. I'll shoot you, then Grayson, and then call the police and tell them I shot you trying to get away. No. No, you... You wouldn't do that, Marsh. I wouldn't? For several million dollars? Just watch this, sucker. No! No! In the small room where he is held prisoner, Grayson, who is really Robin, has been working feverishly at his already loosened bonds. As the huge Willie, worried at what he has heard on the radio, stands near the closed door, his back half turned to Dick. Now, as a shot rings out from behind the closed door to the next room, Willie jumps with fright. Listen. What was that? Why, that... that was a shot. Uh-huh. Could, uh... Could our little playmates be quarreling, do you think? I gotta sit. I... How'd you get them ropes off your hands? A little gremlin did it for me, Junior. Now, you big gorilla, I'm gonna use this lasso to show you what it feels like to be tied up. Oh, uh, yeah? I'm gonna pin your wrist. Hey, what... You're a rope, doggy. I'll make sure you stay that way. Because I've got things to do and fast. Using the silken rope he always carries for his operations in the guise of Robin, Batman's young companion snakes around Big Willie's ankles, trips and then flashes it around and around the huge man from feet to shoulders, cutting him up helplessly. Then, thrusting a handkerchief into Willie's mouth, Robin steps quickly and softly to the door, opens it cautiously and is about to make a run for it when suddenly... Stand where you are, Grayson. Mr. Marsh! That's right. I've just finished Eric Larson. Now I'm going to finish you. Almost free, Dick Grayson is trapped by the murderous Mr. Marsh. The cunning brain behind Eric Larson's amazing escape from prison. The man to whom the boy's death is worth millions of dollars. How can Superman and Batman, hundreds of miles away, come to Robin's help now? We'll know tomorrow, so don't miss the next thrilling episode in this exciting story. Tune in, same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pep. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is the copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at this same time by Kellogg's Pet, the sunshine cereal. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash silverageheroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior!